there I was trying to be the best pastor that I could be all of 26 years old. I was as green as you can imagine. I had um, been to college. I had taken a year between college and seminary, went right into seminary, and then was appointed uh, to, uh, to two churches. I was so good, they gave me two churches right out of seminary, uh, two small Methodist churches here in Oklahoma. And, I, and I, was trying, I was trying my best, and I was incredibly, incredibly naive. Indeed, I had, I had been a layperson for um, over, over 26 years of my life. By the way, I've, I've still not caught up to that yet. I was a layperson a long, I mean, more than I've been a, a clergy person. But I was just trying to do the best that I could and trying to be the best pastor that I could in that church. And so as church conference rolled around, it was time for a nominating committee meeting. And so I worked through the nominating committee and, and, and abided by all of the rules. So uh, people who were in their last year of serving off a committee, they rotated off. And we rotated new people onto committees. Well, that obviously was a, that was a dramatic mistake uh, for one gentleman in our church. You see, he had been on the evangelism committee for a number of years in spite of that church not really reaching a whole lot of people in the previous years, he had served on the evangelism committee, and he had also been the chair of that evangelism committee for a long, long time. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had been rotating off year after year, or rotating back on year after year after year. He was in his, uh, he had just finished his ninth year on the evangelism committee, and I, I just assumed that he was ready to rotate off, and so we didn't ask him to come back and rotate onto that evangelism committee, and he was, oh, he was mad. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He let this young preacher hear about it, too. And so Roger and his family, they quit attending church, and I started asking around what was going on in the life of the church and they, or what was going on in Roger's, Roger's life. And some folks had heard that he was mad that he didn't, wasn't put back on the evangelism committee. And so I wrote Roger a, a big, long letter of apology. I apologized and told him I, that was a mistake. That was, um, and so uh, he and his family came back for mm, about a month and a half, and then they left the church again. And I was devastated. Absolutely devastated devastated. Brand new preacher, 26 years old, two small little children, and here I was. Here I was dealing with, dealing with someone that I thought was, was being incredibly unreasonable. I was deeply, deeply wounded in those early days of being a pastor. And certainly, certainly I understand, I understand that over the last two plus decades of being a pastor, I know that more often than not, I have been the cause of frustrations in the life of the church. I, I've told multiple churches uh, that I've pastored, I, I, typically ha I typically hang around the church long enough that I've had the opportunity uh, to make everyone in the church mad at least one time. <laughs> And when I do that, though, and we are able to work through our problems, then we come out on the other side a little bit healthier. But, but, but hear me now. I recognize that I have been the reason 
of some frustrations and disappointments in the church. But the church does disappoint. No doubt about it, the church disappoints. And whether it's, whether it's this church or another church or the church with the big C, the church universal, the church, the church disappoints. I mean, I hear it all the time. Sometime, uh, sometimes I, I hear things like, well, those people aren't friendly there, or I don't like the sermons, or, uh, you know, it's just like a high school up there. There's cliques, and there's, and there's, there's in-groups. All the church is interested in is my money, I have heard over the years. People up there at that church, they, they gossip. The, the, the preacher one time said something mean to me, or the preacher ignored me one time. When, I, when he was walking down the hallway. The leaders are hypocrites. I won't tithe because that church spends the money the, long, the, wrong, the wrong way. Those are judgmental people. These are all things that I've heard about churches over the years. And, and, and multiple times, people, I mean, we have lots of opportunities with how to reply and respond when the church disappoints us. We can get bitter and we can get cynical and we can, we can get depressed. We can, we can sometimes stay in the church and, uh, but then complain and, and gossip about others. We can lose faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. We, we can start going to a different church. We can stop attending any church. We can even go and start our own church. <laughs> you wonder why there's so many churches? <laughs> well, that's, that's the main reason. It's the main reason because the church disappoints. And, and, and hear me now, I know I'm not telling any of you all something that you don't already know. More than likely, more than likely, every person here, almost every person here, I'm looking around the congregation here in person, and I see maybe a couple of folks that were actually born into the life of this church, but more than likely, all the rest of us were disappointed by the church at some point. In fact, we were so disappointed that we decided that we needed to start going to a new church, and we, and we ended up here. But the, fact rem- but the fact remains, the church often disappoints. And when the church disappoints, there are, there are no easy answers. We're continuing this series dealing with these things in, things in life in which there are no easy answers. Today we're turning our attention to when the church disappoints. And again, it's not just on an individual basis. It's not just an individual church, and it's not just personally, but sometimes universally the church disappoints. And, and, and lest you think that, that we're just thinking about the, uh, the, the issues that other denominations are experiencing with maybe clergy abuse or things like that in, in other denominations and possibly even in our own, the church throughout history has oftentimes failed. For all of its high points of courage and compassion, it has just as many low points of failure and scandal. For every Christian abolitionist who condemned slavery, there were just as many professing Christians who justified the enslavement of people based upon their race or skin color. For every church in Germany who resisted Hitler during World War II, there were other church members who gladly compromised. 
for all of the orphanages and hospitals and schools created by Christians throughout the last 2,000 years of history, there have been just as many people calling themselves Christians who have shed innocent blood. Now, although the failures of the church are often exaggerated by critics, clearly even the exaggerations are based on some, some kernel of truth. The church disappoints. And just like there are no easy answers when success turns sour, whenever, whenever life deals us a, a bad hand, just like there are no easy answers when our, when our prayers aren't being answered, there are no easy answers when the church disappoints. When the church disappoints. But we are not the first ones to experience disappointment in the church. No, Paul knew that all too well. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've read through uh, the pastoral epistles. This, uh, this second book of Timothy is a, is a second letter that that the Apostle Paul wrote to the young pastor Timothy. And, I, and I've read uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus multiple, multiple times, but I had never thought about it in these terms until this past week. I'd never really read these words that were read earlier in, in this sense. He tells of Demas. He tells of Demas, who had left to go to Thessalonica. Paul simply states that Demas was in love with this present world. We know from Colossians chapter 4 and uh, Philemon 24 that Demas had seemingly been faithful to Paul and had sought the furthering of the kingdom. However, as persecutions increased and the cost of discipleship became evident, we find Demas abandoning Paul and following the ways of the world. For years, for years, Demas had been with Paul as they shared life with one another. Yet in Paul's darkest trial, Demas was nowhere to be found, and he abandoned his ministry partner. I'm sure that wound, wound ran deep with Paul. He goes on to mention Alexander the coppersmith. Scripture doesn't tell us a, a whole lot about him, but what we know is quite telling. From Paul's comments, we glean that he did great harm to Paul and was adamantly opposed to the message of the gospel. Such was the nature of the hurt that Paul warns Timothy, even as he acknowledges turning him over, over to God to ultimately judge Alexander. And finally, finally, Paul gives us a, a, a glimpse into his first appearance before the ruling authorities in Rome. During his appearances, no one stood by him. Think about that for a moment. The Apostle Paul, who had at this point had been on multiple missionary journeys all across the ancient Near East and across the Mediterranean world, the northern Mediterranean world. He had planted church after church after church. He had stood up to authorities. He had been arrested. He had been beaten. He had been abused. He was the leading figure, the leading figure in the early church. And as he stood before the, the Roman rulers... He had no one to stand with him. Not one. Every single member 
of his church, of the churches that he had founded. Every single uh, ministry partner, every single uh, person that had come with him on all of his journeys, every single one of them abandoned him at his time of need. Certainly, certainly Paul would have thought that these would have been the very people that he would have passed the torch to when he died, and they were all gone. Paul knew what it was like to be disappointed with the church. He absolutely knew what it was like to be disappointed with the church. In my early years of ministry, as I was so very naive, I, I, was, I, was, I, I got so frustrated with the church. And, and by the way, the churches that I pastored at that time are wonderful churches. They continue to, to exist and thrive. They are wonderful, wonderful churches made up of wonderful, wonderful people. But what I didn't recognize at that time is that the church is deeply, deeply flawed because it's made up of, of people. It's made up of people like you and, and me. And, 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 just, and sometimes we get this idea that, that the, the preacher is supposed to be perfect, but I, I mean, my family will be the very first ones to admit that I am not perfect. I am, I, I, I'm just Leslie Broadbent. That's, that's who I am, saved by the grace of God. Praying that God will remake me and remold me into something better I am than I am today. I'm not perfect, just like, just like you are not perfect. And so over the years, I have seen families that have been frustrated. I have seen families that have left churches because, uh, because of conflict in the children's department. Oh my, oh my. I've seen that, and it just, it's, it just breaks my heart when that happens. just breaks my heart when that happens. Families that, uh, single parents that are raising children and that are, that are incredibly incredibly active and, 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 and somewhat uncontrollable. That where do they need? They need to be in church. The problem is, well, they're incredibly active and uncontrollable at home and at church. And so families begin to, to get frustrated and begin to bicker and fight and and families leave churches because of things like that. I've seen conflicts in children's ministries and in youth ministries and Bible studies and in Sunday school classes. I've, I've seen Sunday school classes split. I've seen, I've seen churches literally split right down the middle over staff issues and over everything else under the sun. Church disappoints. And I want to... I I want to point out a few things that, that you already know, but I want to remind you. I want to remind you, one of the things that um, I want to remind you is that there is no perfect church. And if there was a perfect church, guess what? You wouldn't be allowed to join. <laughs> and I wouldn't be allowed to join. Because the church is the building? No, the church is the people. And when we have a church that's full of people, people are not perfect. And there is no perfect church. 
There is no perfect church. Absolutely, there is no perfect church. There are there are oftentimes we expect too much of our pastors and our leaders and our fellow Christians. Sometimes I've heard people say, well, I expect to be mistreated from non-Christians, but not from Christians. Those people up there at that church, they don't treat me. They, I get treated better when I go to Walmart <laughs> by the greeter at the door at Walmart than I do at the, by that church up there. There's no, there's no perfect church. And, by the way, as I have noticed over the years, when we think that we have found a perfect church, when we think that, um, okay, I've left my last church because it is so imperfect, what I find is that when we come into a new church, we often try to make our new church just like our last church. <laughs> I've seen that so many times. So many great ideas we had in our last church. It didn't work, but we want to bring those same great ideas into the new church, which, by the way, likely won't work as well. There's no perfect church, and you all already understand <laughs> with great clarity that there's no perfect preacher as well. I would also in, encourage you to remember that there may be more to the picture than what you often see. For example, I have, I have had folks who have become frustrated over the years. And in, in fact, I, I had, had one, probably the most significant church conflict that I've, that I've ever led a church through. And I've, I've led churches through some significant conflict over the years. Oftentimes, it's just simply because of our, because of our history in the church and some of the, some of the things that are kind of going on under the surface. Well, this was not something that was going on underneath the surface. This was something that happened right out in the middle of everyone. We had a staff member that was a senior staff member, senior uh, ministry leader, and um, was pretty beloved in the life of that, in the life of that congregation. Uh, there were, uh, but then he resigned effective immediately. In fact, in fact, I found out that he had resigned um, when my administrative assistant called me that day. I was at a workout, and uh, which I always went to my uh, workout at a gym every week at the exact same time. And so uh, my administrative assistant called me and said, hey, um, just wanted you to know that uh, so-and-so has resigned. I said, what? She said, yeah, um, he came in and left his keys and um, left letters in uh, all over the church in every Sunday school classroom, uh, left a 12-page or large letter for you in your office. And so I immediately rushed back to the office and uh, read through uh, the 12-page resignation letter that he had left and had also left that letter for every Sunday school class in the church and had sent it to um, to multiple people in the church, not everyone in the church, but folks that he felt might um, side with him. And so um, I led, uh, that was a, it was an incredibly difficult time. People were incredibly hurt. I was incredibly hurt. He was incredibly hurt. Um, the church was incredibly hurt. And uh, because it was a, because um, it was a personnel issue, there were things that we couldn't say. And we couldn't, we couldn't talk about what led up to his resignation. We couldn't talk about 
uh, any supervisory issues that we had been experiencing at all. All we could say was uh, no one did anything wrong. Uh, He simply resigned. That was literally all we legally could say. We we even had to have an entire congregational meeting in which our district superintendent had to come in and, um, and lead that meeting. It was a very, very difficult situation in the life of that church. There were, there were the, most of the church was only getting a part of the picture. And so there were rumors that were flying around about, about me and what I had done and things that this, uh, this staff person had done or not done. And, and 99% of them were, were not right because people just didn't know all of the picture. But there wasn't anything that we could say. I mean, so there are, there are some times, there are some times, not always, but there are some times that there are, there's more to the picture than what everyone uh, is understanding. And so um, sometimes when suggestions are made to the church leadership about, about how things should be done, uh, and that suggestion is not followed, by the way, um, there, I've, I've pastored lots of churches and I've received lots of suggestions over the years. And sometimes I'm able to follow those suggestions, other times I'm not. Because I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to lead and guide the church in the best decision that I can. Or sometimes there are decisions that literally are out of my hands and I don't have the authority uh, to be able to act on those things. Um, sometimes sometimes we, 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 are not, we are not able to go along with the suggestions of everyone in the church. There may be, there may be times when um, you know, people are frustrated when when a leader or a staff person or another church member maybe tends to ignore someone. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been accused of that, especially on Sunday mornings. I've been around long enough to know, uh, for you all to know, that I am not an extrovert. I am an introvert. I've kind of got to, I've got to get right. I've got to get ready for Sunday morning. And so sometimes when I'm walking down the hallway on Sunday mornings and I don't um, greet everyone with a big hello, it may, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prepare myself a little bit. Over the years, I've had so many folks who have been really, really frustrated with that. I've tried to get better, but there are, there are seasons especially this season of COVID, <laughs> and whenever stress levels are high, that, that I struggle with that. Oftentimes, there's just more to the picture. There's just more to the picture than, than what we see uh, sometimes. Another suggestion that I, would, that I would encourage folks, and again, this is not just for, for people who are here at First Church. We know that we have lots of folks who are joining in online that are, that are parts of other churches. And so this would just, again, general, generally be some suggestions. I would encourage you to be part of the solution. Try to be part of the solution rather than trying to stir up issues. And, and, and by the way, I, I'm, this is a great time for me to preach a sermon like this because there are no issues going on at, at First Church. Let, let, I, I want to I put your mind at ease. I'm not preaching this sermon because there are issues going on. No, I'm preaching the sermon now because there aren't issues like this going on. And so this is the best time for me to say things like this. I would encourage you to be part of the solution when, when you start seeing conflict in the life of the church, when you, when, you start seeing, um, when, when you start finding yourself upset, when you find yourself going away from church and you, and you say, gosh, I'm not getting anything out of worship anymore. That preacher, he is awful. I, I, I don't know where he's getting his sermons. 
um, what I find is when, whenever I'm, I'm part of a group and I'm not, you know, if I'm not getting something out of, out of I mean, how do you not get anything out of worship, by the way, here at First Church? But there are, t- there are times that I go away and I say, eh, you know, that's okay. I mean, you know, Morgan was a little flat there or, or whatever the case. That never, never, never happened. You know what I find? Most of the time, it's, I mean, the problem is not Morgan. The problem is not the band. The problem is not the music that we're, that we're singing. The problem is not the words that we're singing. The problem is my own heart. I wasn't prepared to worship that day. I wasn't prayed up. I wasn't prepared to meet the resurrected Christ that day. I wasn't prepared to be transformed by His grace on that day. That's, that's, that's why worship was, was not meaningful that day. So I would encourage you to be part of the, part of the solution. Think about ways that you can that you can not just suggest things, but you can actively engage in the things that you're suggesting. Years ago at church camp, the church camp that I was involved in leadership in for many, many years, we called it the Thomas Rule. There's a pastor named Thomas, and he came up with the rule one year as he was dean. He said, you have the idea, you get to lead it. <laughs> and that was a great reel at church camp. But it may not be a bad idea. Be part of the solution. If you see things that are, that are lacking in the life of, of, of the church, either, again, either here at First Church or, or your church, for those who are worshiping online, I would encourage you to be part of the solution. If you see that there aren't um, children's activities, well, it may be that you need to you need to step up and begin to serve in the children's ministries. If, if you see that there's not enough greeters to go around, if, it, if your church is not a friendly church, I can't imagine that uh, because First Church is an incredibly friendly church and we do a great, great job of greeting. But if you're part of a church where there's not enough greeters, well, step up and step up and into that, into that position. I would strongly encourage you to be, to be part of, of, that, of that solution. You know, as people, come, as people come to the doors of the church, many come crying out for help. Some, some come deeply mired in hopelessness and despair, hoping, hoping to find something real to hang on to. Others, others come with relationships in, a, in shambles and a marriage that's hanging on by a thread or a child that's in rebellion. Others come because, of their, because their pursuit of success has, has left them empty and, and they, are looking, they are looking for something and someone who might have an answer. God help us. God help us if, if we think that we don't have the answers because we have the answer. Our ultimate hope and trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood that. <laughs> Paul's ultimate hope and trust was in Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> after this long litany, after this long litany of how many people had turned away from him and had abandoned him and how often he had been so hurt by the church, he leaves it, he leaves it with this. The Lord will, the Lord 
The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul put his hope not in people. His ultimate hope and his ultimate trust was in Jesus Christ. Because, because his hope was in the finished work of Jesus, and due to the fact that he was it was it was due to the fact that he was completely satisfied with Jesus, and now and now he was able to freely give himself. It didn't matter come what may to him, it was all gonna be all right. Even though his church had failed him, even though his friends had failed him, it was all gonna be all right because Jesus Christ was still on the throne. And I would strongly encourage you to remember that. When the church disappoints and you think back on your experience with the church, maybe even here at First Church, and the pain that you have felt because of of what some pastor said or or what some fellow church member said or or because a a church member left over some some petty little thing... I would encourage you to just simply remember it's not about, I mean, ultimately, it really isn't about the people. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our hope, our only hope. Would you bow with me?